4: and welcome to the 200th episode of the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz, and I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic
5: co-hosts. Up first, dude, it's episode 200. It's Matt Morgan. You know, Joey, they they say that hard work is its own reward. But what I think is actually a much better reward is an actual reward. And so after all this hard work of 200 episodes, um, I think we should start looking for some of those rewards. (laughs)
4: <laughs> that's great okay like on a rewards card matt or, or uh,
5: like rewards card reward certificate even um i'm open to any sort of rewards if you tell like 12 dad jokes the 13th is free is that kind of, that kind <laughs> of thing, there it is that that's how it works yes 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 <laughs>
0: that's so great and up next dude did i mention it's episode 200 hey that's dana roach uh what do you call an old bison with two antennas
4: uh, I know like the buffalo one. joke. Uh, oh. Bicentennial,
0: we got there, episode 200. We did it. <laughs> the, literally the only bicentennial joke ever written, and I found it.
5: <laughs> and this, if, you, if you put it on a cycle, then it's a bicycle too, so we're just right, like... There we go.
4: This, this is such through. a treasure doing this show with you guys. I can't believe it's been 200 episodes and so many dad jokes. It's been very weird. Anyway, let's um let's finish the intros. This is the EDH Recast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the EDH RecCast for 200 episodes now, what we love to do is give all of that data a little more context. Dana, can you tell us what is it that we're doing for this episode?
0: The challenge of stats greatest hits? Is that what we're gonna call it? Is that a good enough name? I
4: I would love to go with the, a fabulous name like the Challenge the Stats Extravaganza. How does that
5: sound? Uh, I I was told that it was gonna be a Challenge the Stat fest. Um, <laughs> fest. So somebody lied to me in pre production.
4: Like like Magic Fest, but challenges that Fest. Yeah, I, I could get yeah, on board why not? with that. I, I still I like I still like <laughs> extravaganza, but regardless, it is a celebration. We've been doing this for 200 episodes, and so we're just going to take everyone's favorite segment of the show, Challenging the Stats, and just do that, this whole episode, go through a bunch of data, because there's so much of it on EDHREC, and, and pick it apart a little bit and just have a great time going over some of our favorites across the years and some other fun stuff coming up. It's going to be awesome. You may even hear some friends in the community, other magic content creators in this episode too. It's going to be so fun. Real quick... Before we jump into our 200th episode celebration, let's pause and thank Josh Laquai and the folks at the Command Zone for handling the post-production work on the podcast. Thank you so much, Command Zone. And we want to thank our sponsors for the show, too.
0: Yeah, the EDH Rec cast is sponsored by Card Kingdom and TCG Player. Between the two of them, I've placed more orders than the three of us have actually recorded shows. <laughs> Just head over to EDH EDHREC and click on the card in question. Choose the vendor right down below and doing so supports both the
5: site and the show. And if you'd prefer to support the show directly, I don't know why after you dealt with us for 200 episodes, but you can do this (laughs) over at patreon.com slash EDH Retcast, where we have patron tiers of all sorts of levels. Whether you want to see all of these challenges, stats, picks that we've talked about uh, in this episode and all these episodes prior, you can do Mm -hmm. that. You can join our Discord community. There's all sorts of perks that you can pick up for yourself just by going over to patreon.com slash EDH Retcast. And in honor of the 200th, well, I guess it wouldn't be 200, 200th shout-outs, but 200th episode. Uh, Danny Hayo, thank you so much. You are getting this 200th episode extravaganza festness, uh, whatever we're calling this. You're getting the shout-out this week. So thank you so much, Danny, for the support
4: extravaganza fest that's that's a that's the best name so far that's, and also matt i love the way that you, that you framed that of like we're so grateful for the support thank you patrons for for supporting this wild ride and i just love the tone that you're setting there. just like thanks patrons you did this yeah that's, it's your it's, fault, it's your fault responsibility. our
5: patrons have only encouraged us for all this <laughs> nonsensory. so
4: it's so true and i love it it's so great okay Guys, let's get into it. Let's talk about the challenge, the stats that we've had across the years. We're just going to go through a couple of fun categories. And again, you'll hear some uh, friends from the community in this episode, too. But let's let's start with going a huge, huge throwback. Now that we're into it, let's start with the first ever challenges from episode one of the show. Do you guys remember what they were? That's a loaded question. We have our show notes here, so you know what they yeah. are now. But like, let's let's go back. Dana, what was the first challenge that you ever did on the EDH rec cast?
0: Uh, my first one was Bread for the Hunt. Um, it's an enchantment that says whenever a creature you control with a plus one counter on it deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. And it said it was in too many uh, Traxa Praetor's voice decks. Um, it's still in 12% of Atraxa decks, and that's 11.5% too many, I would say. <laughs> um, but you know, very much a pre con effect card there. It was in the pre con, and people just kept it in because Atraxa puts counters on things, and it does draw cards when you swing through. But there are better ways to draw cards uh, just in general, let alone in a similar way, than, than doing so in a way that requires you to have plus one counters on things. Um, so I. I Absolutely back that challenge of stats to this day. I think that card gets played too much and attracts an X for sure.
4: (laughs) You beat me to my question. I was like, so do you still stand by it? But like, even I stand by that challenge. I I think you're totally right. There are better ways to draw cards in these colors nowadays. Absolutely. For the Hunt is cute, but it does seem kind of like, I don't know if you need it for for that strategy. It it was in the pre-con, so it kind of stuck around more than its actual efficacy should really suggest. So I I still love it.
5: Yeah, I mean, we've only gotten more and more coastal piracy type of effects, too. Like, Reconnaissance Mission was released since then. There's a lot of different ways that you can draw cards whenever you deal combat damage. I don't think Bread for the Hunt is really that good, even in Plus one plus one counter decks even uh, i think that you have just better options so dana you started us off on a very good foot
4: yeah that's just it there are so many ways that like draw cards equal to the amount of power of your creatures is a lot more prevalent nowadays and in a plus one counter deck like you can make some really powerful creatures and that'll probably like the the Rishkar's expertise
5: style of effect Ooh, or the oh don't uh, don't don't return- oh. We're not going to finish episode 200 <laughs> if you start talking about that card already. That's
4: true. Or, or, or Return to the Wild Speaker is another one. Like, those are effects that will draw you a lot more cards these days. So, I totally, I'm on board with this. Matt, what about your first challenge? Is it still one that you stand by?
5: My challenge is one that I stand by, actually. Uh, so, Go Figure, Matt challenged a white card that makes creatures. Uh, so, Entrapment <laughs> Maneuver was my very first challenge. Uh, Entrapment Maneuver is three and a white for an instant that says target player sacrifices an attacking creature, and then you create X11 white soldier creature tokens where X is is that creature's toughness. Uh, I still think this is great. It's just a wonderful combat trick. Uh, Say somebody is able to go tall, like say maybe Joey has um, that Virtus and Gorm deck that only wants to attack with that one uh, pesky creature. Sure. You're able to get rid of that. Like you get off the board. uh, It it does think if somebody does go wide against you, you're maybe not going to get the best value out of it. But it's also only showing up like 1,200 decks today, right now. Uh, so if you have like yeah. a, you're playing against somebody's Grevin deck, you're playing against some sort of <laughs> spell slinger deck. Like you're gonna get so much value if you're playing against decks that only have one real threat they're attacking with. Uh, it you you make armies. Yeah, I mean, like you're probably
0: gonna get a couple creatures, a couple tokens out of this, and make them lose a thing, it, and that's generally okay. Worst case scenario, and sometimes you're gonna make you know 20 tokens
5: yeah <laughs> like you, and the, the best part about it is it like at worst it's probably going to be like a 2 for 1 3 for 1 because You're right. you you get rid of one attacking creature you make a few tokens to block the rest and like it's a fog at that point point. and
0: it's also worth noting this isn't creature attacking you it's just an attacking creature <laughs> <laughs> good yes wonderful <laughs> that's savage that's just that's just mean oh
4: man i love this and matt i I can't believe that your challenge all the way back from April 5th, 2018 on our first episode, that <laughs> it hasn't budged the numbers up on this card.
5: I, people um, didn't we, listen we to, to work me from on the that. start. Uh, I'm just used to it at this point. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but yeah, this is one I keep eyeing. I have a, a token deck, a Thalise token deck. And I keep eyeing this one. And I, I think this revisitation, I'm going to have to take a look at this one again. because yeah, That's, oh, That's hotness in Thalise. Yeah, look at all the, all the things you could make. It is uh pretty cool, although don't use it on my Grevin deck. Um, how dare you? That would be very, very mean and very
5: devastating. Oh no, I I already planted the seed within myself <laughs> and the listeners. Hopefully, this time um this challenge sticks.
4: That's awesome. Um, I really want to uh quickly shout out that on our first episode, we also had a guest on that episode. It was Jason Alt from the Brainstorm Brewery Podcast. He helped us out getting uh the entire podcast together, and he featured on our first show. And he also had a challenge that Dana was in a very much the same vein as your challenge. When we were on that episode discussing the precon effect, that effect where, you know, when cards are in the precon, they tend to be popular by dint of being popular rather than being effective. And so his challenge was for the recently released Ur-Dragon deck and the card Fractured Identity that was showing up in that deck because it was in the pre-con. But that card is kind of a, a cool, splashy spell that they put into the pre-cons to play around with fun multiplayer effects, but it isn't like a very good dragon spell necessarily. And thankfully, this is a challenge that has made a lot of movement. It's down to only being in 5% of the Ur-Dragon decks today. So progress on that front, that's really cool. So uh, shout out to you, Jason. Thanks for challenging that one. And uh, I'm glad to see that you're, you ch- you budged the numbers a lot more than Matt seems to have done. So congrats.
0: <laughs> well, Joey, how, what was your first challenge of stats here? Ooh, uh, so
4: this one was also, yours was for a four-color commander. Mine was also for a four-color commander. Mine was for, again, sort of related to the precon effect. Mine was for Yidris, Maelstrom wielder. And I, I... <laughs> I probably shouldn't have made jokes about budging the numbers because this one is easily the biggest failure in terms of budging numbers (laughs) because this is still popular and I don't think it should be. I challenged Windfall in Yidris. Windfall, that blue spell, everyone discards their hand and then uh, draws equal to the greatest number of cards discarded this way. I don't think that's very good for Yidris. I just don't. I think that that card was put into that pre-con because in the Yidris deck, that four-color Maelstrom deck, it also contained Kaidel, the Chosen of Gruphix, who gives you extra mana if you've drawn a lot of extra cards this turn. So that felt to me like all of the wheels in the deck were there for Kaidel, not for Yidris. But Windfall is still showing up in 40% of Yidris decks today, so... Doesn't seem a lot of people agree with me, but I just think that a cascade deck doesn't have a lot to do with wheels, and that those are are separate types of decks, and you should focus more on the wheels for Kaidel and let the cascade dude be his more Cascade-y type of dude, and that Windfall doesn't have a whole lot for there. But you know, that's just me. I'm not sure if you guys agree with that, but I still stand by it.
0: I mean, you c- can you run Smothering Tide in that Yoder stack? Maybe that's what it's all it's all about Smothering Tide.
5: <laughs> you can't. It's it's the non-white oh, commander. So oh, no, what am I talking looks- about? Dana, you look so silly right now. I know, you'd think after scary. 200 episodes, you'd figure out color <laughs> identity on every single commander out there. I meant to go back and memorize them. I didn't get a chance this week. That's fair.
4: <laughs> that is rad. Okay, so those were our first ever challenges, and that's really great. But I want to also now turn our attention to Since it's our 200th episode, we had a a quick celebration. We sent out some feelers into the magic sphere. um, And we asked for some community challenges from other folks in the content creation for the EDH community. And it's going to be really awesome just to hear from them. So we've gathered a couple of clips from friends of the show like Chase, also known as Mana Curves, and also Commander Advisory Group members Olivia Gobert-Hicks and Rachel Weeks, uh, who hosts the awesome Commander's Sphere podcast and you may even hear some fun voices from the command zone as well. So we're going to hand it off to the friends of the show and hear their challenges now. And uh, spoiler alert, they're a doozy.
3: Hey, EDHREC. Congrats on 200. Yay! I just wanted to challenge the stats on an absolute banger card if you ever choose to turn your creature sideways. Dolmen Gate. Two mana artifact that says prevent all combat damage to attacking creatures you control. It's in 6,931 decks, like 1%. Surely more people, you know, attack than 6,031. It's a great way to make sure that you're not going to lose your board, that you're going to get some good damage through, and it's just, you know, have these fogs just for you. Um, silly bet, it doesn't get run more and I'm really surprised. It's an absolute favorite of mine, especially in the Gila, where I can get a lot, a lot of mileage out of it with those, those tiny little one, uh, one warriors. So I'm really surprised it's not running more. Would love to see it more often. It's a great card. And again, congrats on that 200. Yay!
6: Hey, DHREC, congrats on 200 episodes. It's Jake Boss here from the Command Zone. Uh, I'm here to challenge the stats today on Porky Parrot. Uh, This goofy card is from Ikoria, and it's a three and a red, and you can mutate it for two and a red. So that means you can put it on top or below any non-human creature. Um, And then it reads, tap, deal X damage to any target where X is the number of times this is mutated. So most often one and then it changes our base power and toughness to a three four i believe that this belongs in a prosper Tonebound deck this is one of the most popular commanders right now and it has death touch stapled right on it which believe it or not is really rare for a commander in these colors uh if you scroll through edh rec you're not going to see many commanders in red that just have death touch on it so this poison arrow strategy is really great for clearing a path on everybody else's board, not just pinging damage on our opponents, but uh, one tap, remove a creature every single turn. This is a really solid card, and it takes our base stats to 3-4 from a 1-4, which, who knows, might become relevant at some point. As of now, this card is only in 1,827 decks on EDHREC, which makes total sense because of the lack of Death Touch in red. But in Prosper decks, we're only seeing it in 12 lists out of over 4,000 and that's totally nutty this is a pretty solid card in that list and I think that you should really give it a try also side note if you're a Vrondis player this is a great way to just pop himself every single turn but that's uh the card that I'm challenging the stats on Porky Parrot give it a try
2: Hey, EDHREC cast, happy 200 episodes. I'm so excited for you guys. Uh, For my challenge, the stats, I actually wanted to choose a card that I have in my personal M.E.L. the Blessed deck list. It is actually not featured on M.E.L.'s EDHREC page at all, which I think is a little surprising if I'm being honest. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Emiel the Blessed is a four mana Selesnia unicorn from Jumpstart that has a three mana flicker ability, which I really love. And the card that I wanna challenge the stats with today is Haze Frog. Haze Frog is a five mana frog with flash that fogs when it enters the battlefield. And normally this would be a once and done thing, but what's really cool is that with M.E.L. you have a repeatable fog on a little froggy body. He just hip hops flickering and fogging. And I just think it's super cool, super underutilized. It's hysterical and a really fun trick that I really recommend you guys run in your M.E.L. decks.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Murph from the Command Zone podcast. And today, my challenge to stats is going to be Maloku the Clouded Mirror, specifically in the Jadzi Oracle of Arkavios Commander deck. So, Maloku is only in uh, 34 out of 652 decks in Jadzi, which I think is a little bit criminal because the flip side of Jadzi is Journey to the Oracle. That lets you put land cards from your hand into play and moloku specifically has the ability with one generic mana return a land you control to its owner's hand to create a one one blue illusion creature token with flying so with moloku you want to be paying the one mana then return that land back to its owner's hand, the one that you just paid the mana for, you get a 1-1 blue illusion with flying. And then with Journey to the Oracle, once you have done that enough times with Moloku, you can dump all those lands back into play immediately. You can rinse and repeat do that again because you can rebuy the Journey to the Oracle by discarding a card. So you can play the Journey to the Oracle over and over again, assume you have enough cards, and keep bouncing lands back to your hand over and over again with Maloku. And so I just think that 34 decks is probably way too low uh, count for Maloku to be in these Jodzi decks because Maloku really is a game ender in these decks. It rebuys the landfall so you can do like tons of landfall abilities over and over again. You can get like 10, 20 landfall triggers just by doing this a few times, not to mention you're getting one one blue illusions with flying, so you can get a giant board, giant army really, really quickly by doing this strategy. So I think that's my challenge the stats for today.
7: Hey, EDH Rick, congratulations on 200 episodes. My challenge the stats will introduce a little bit of mayhem to any table, but it's at its best in a deck that casts really big creatures really fast. For that reason, I'm challenging the stats on Pandemonium, specifically in Rakdos, Lord of Riots. Pandemonium is a red enchantment for a three and a red. It reads, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, that creature's controller may have it deal damage equal to its power to any target of their choice. Yep, it's War Storm Surge for everyone. I get a plate of damage for the table. Would you have some? Pandemonium is only in 1,286 decks on EDHREC, and only 27 Rakdos Lord of Riots decks, including mine. To compare, Warstorm Surge is in a whopping 23,189 decks, and its creature sibling, Terror of the Peaks, is in 24,421. Coming in at only 4 mana, Pandemonium gets the party started one or two turns earlier. That means you can start throwing damage as soon as Rakdos hits the table. Plus, your creatures are likely to be the biggest and baddest creatures on the battlefield, so it'll take some doing for another player's creatures to take them out. Because it's inherently well, dangerous. Pandemonium shows up primarily in chaos decks, like Nor in the Wary. But I challenge that for decks that want to do as much damage as fast as possible, the risk is worth the reward. I mean, you're playing Raktos. Live a little.
4: And hey, we are back. Oh, that was so much fun. I'm I'm so excited to hear from our friends. And those are some spicy challenges. Like I will be stealing Rachel's line from now until the end of time. If I get a plate of damage for the table, will you have some? Like, that was... I lost <laughs> it. I can't contain myself. It's so good. So, uh, thank you, friends. I'd love to know, Matt,
5: are these challenges right up your alley or... Oh, a thousand percent. Like, so So first off, Olivia speaks right to my heart by encouraging combat. Like, Gate is such a fun card. And Pandemonium, uh, I mean... <laughs> I, I love Rachel's just approach to commander in general. It's always just like one of the most silly things ever. But yes, Pandemonium, uh, like she said, Arakdos, wonderful card. Uh, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Valdeck, Keeper of the Flame, that probably is a wonderful space oh, no. for Pandemonium to slot right in because I'm making oh, a no. bunch of elemental tokens. So Rachel, um, oh, no. you did this to them, to, to Joey and Dana, um, because... Here soon on uh, twitch.tv slash EDH Wednesday evenings, um, that card is going to get cast. So thank
4: you. Uh, no, no. You know, we're just going to end this episode now, actually, because no, I don't no, want no, no, to have to no, deal no. with that. We're just we're not, we're not going to publish this one at all. Actually, we need to we need to erase that's, all of this. That's
0: a lie. They, is... they can clean that up in post, Joey. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Dana? <laughs> well, what I keep looking back at are some of the challenges we've had from guests on the show way, way back in the past. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, The one that jumps out at me in particular, we had Gavin Verhey back on the show on episode 47 and he challenged the card Reap, which still shows up in just over 3,000 decks. It's a green instant from Tempest that says, return up to X target cards from your graveyard to your hand, where X is number of black permanent target opponent controls as you cast Reap. I mean, when's the last time you were in a game that didn't have somebody playing black in it? I I can't think of the last time. Reap just oftentimes winds up being a way better regrowth um, or even better Eternal Witness. It's a really, really good card and definitely should still see more play.
4: Well, and especially, Dana, you guys frequently play against me. and That's all you play, all your decks. Do I have a non-black deck? I can't remember.
0: Somehow even your mono red deck has black cards in it.
4: (laughs) Well, and this seems especially good. Like, I make so many zombie tokens. I'm pretty sure that if you cast this against me, you would just get your entire graveyard back into your hand. Right, right, yeah. Like, this is a really saucy pick. That was a great one from Gavin. Oh, man. Yeah, that's just so cool. Like, see, it's awesome to hear. Like, we love doing the challenge of stats every episode, but it's cool to hear uh, the underplayed gems from other folks in the community, too. So, yeah, I love that one. What a great throwback. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Man, now I'm worried that you're going to do more graveyard stuff than I am. If you played this in decks against me again, this might have been a mistake.
5: Oh no, I don't think this is a mistake. I think it, it's worth you know reliving the 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 knowledge that you can gain from history. Uh, Reap's <laughs> just a good card. It, it, I, I like. I think it's also funny. Um, Benny Smith, who's been a longtime friend of the cast as well, when he came on the show, he challenged Temple of the False God. And if you follow Benny oh. for 20 <laughs> seconds on Twitter, you'll know how much he <laughs> hates Temple of the False God. Um, it, it, like, it's it's kind of funny because a lot of folks have uh, kind of championed against Temple of False God. Uh, it's not ever quite getting played when you want it to be. Um, Benny heads that campaign against Temple of False God. <laughs> um, so, of course, he used... Uh, his appearance to do it but also uh it's still like it's a valid challenge still in 2022 like it temple of false God is kind of a um it's a temple to a bygone age, you might even say
4: <laughs> I like that yeah it's it's still showing up in one hundred eighteen thousand decks. it's frequently seen in things like precons it's an easily accessible land and it is exciting to to try and get it to to happen but it is sometimes. Not able to happen as well, and it's it's so funny. Like uh, you're totally right, Matt. That like if you know you for for two seconds, you'll know that you like combat. If you know Dana for two seconds, you'll know that he likes those hipster cards. If you know me for two seconds, all about the necromancy. If you know like we, I, I'm pretty sure like in the episode 54 that we had him on, we were just like, "And let's move to challenge." Just
5: as and he was he just blurted out, "He's just like Temple of Voskot." <laughs> just yes, <immediately>. yes, overplay. <laughs> so. ben, Benny could run for public office, and that would be his main platform. <laughs> yeah, hey, I, he absolutely. probably would get votes out of it too. That is f- that's so funny. <laughs> but you know,
4: on our episode 100, we also had Sheldon Menery as a guest on the show. And he had a really fun challenge on that episode too. And, and this one is like, I think as like just way the opposite in terms of numbers because temple of the false god was showing up in 118,000 decks. Sheldon's treatment is still seeing play in fewer than 200 decks. This is the card equal treatment which is pretty wild and weird. It is a two mana instant one in a white. It says if any source would deal one or more damage to a creature or player this turn it deals two damage to that creature or player instead and it's a cantrip. You will draw a card after you cast it so that's pretty cool too. It replaces itself. This is a really wild one that I have actually seen Sheldon play, and it can do some kind of interesting things. Like if someone's attacking you with a bunch of 10 tens, no, they're not gonna be ten. They're not gonna deal ten damage anymore. You're only gonna take two per creature. If someone's hitting you with their Voltron Commander that is about to commander damage you out, nah, it's just two damage. But you can even use it offensively, and this is how I've actually seen Sheldon use it. He attacked with a bunch of one ones, and now suddenly they were dealing two damage instead of one, and that's pretty neat. So this is kind of a cool card that is definitely an underplayed gem from the grandfather of the format.
0: Yeah, and I started using it after he challenged it. I'm running it in my Pestilence deck because each Pestilence activation, hits <gasps> Gets twice as hard. No, this was a mistake. Don't do this to me. Don't. (laughs) Oh, this whole oh, that's spicy. Okay, I I can't even lie. I actually
4: really love that. That's so good, dude.
0: So, so thank you very much, Sheldon, for all that you've done, including uh, giving me equal treatment.
5: Well, yeah, the the versatility behind this card is just, I think, what makes it so good. You can use it as a defensive tool, offensive. uh, It's all over the place, but it's it's just great. It's flexible. Uh, It does stack with double strike, too. So if you have a first strike dealing one damage, it's going to deal two. Uh, You have the double strike go through, deal an extra two. So, yeah, like... There's a lot of play to this card, and of course, Sheldon's finding just random obscure cards. Um, he and Dana would just have like the old man club of <laughs> of Magic: The Gathering, just with these types of cards.
4: That's that, that's really awesome. I, I love the your your thank yous there too as well, Dana, where you're just like, thank you, Sheldon, for helping create this format in which I can just. Totally obliterate Joey. <laughs> right. <laughs> and also thank you for suggesting cards that help me totally
0: obliterate Joey. <laughs> he, he, everything he does is in service of taking Joey out of the
6: game.
4: <laughs> the, greater, the greater good. Right. Making sure that Joey dies first in yep. every you
5: know, game. No, Joey, we've been over this. Greater good is an enchantment. It's green. You can sacrifice <laughs> creatures. What of Matt's cards. That 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 is one of my cards. That's how, that's how I do necromancy: <laughs> is sacrificing all my big things. <laughs> that's Matt's version of aristocrats. That's you're so silly. I absolutely
4: love it, dude. Uh, so moving from our awesome uh, community look back, which is again just so awesome. I, I actually. Even before we do move on, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's uh, been yes. on this show, who submitted clips. Like It's just awesome to have you a part of this celebration. I'm I'm just being really cheesy right now, but I'm really happy about it. Um, but let's move now from that to our next uh, challenge, the stats extravaganza part. Let's talk about some of our favorite challenges. Um, just of all time, what have been some of your favorite challenges ever over the years? Matt, I'll throw it to you first. When you look back on
5: all 200 episodes, what are some of the standouts? Um, one of the funniest challenges was actually by Dana, uh, back on episode 116. So he challenged the card Pariah, um, for Indestructible Commanders. And that's a card I've wanted to put in so many decks, but I've never gotten around to it. Uh, even it's, uh, equipment version Pariah Shield. Um, so Pariah is two and a white for an enchantment or for an aura, uh, that says all damage that would be dealt to you is dealt to enchanted creature instead. Uh, it's just such a silly card. It's it's fun to have all these workarounds. You can do su- really, really silly stuff with like Stuffy Doll. Um, that's another one of my favorite little interactions. Uh, but this card, oh, no. like, this card causes so many problems. Like, what the heck? Like, it, this cards like Pariah are why we play Commander. It's just one of those cards you can't play in any other format, and it's just so great to see. That is really
4: funny because like a stuffy doll effect with any damage dealt to it. Instead, you're going to redirect that damage to a player and then you can't be dealt damage. If someone tries to attack you, your pariah is going to be like, nope, hits my creature. It's
5: indestructible. <laughs> you yeah. can't deal damage to me. Or, or Brash Taunter if you're one of like the Commander Cookout Ooh. guys. Uh, I mean, there's Ooh. there's so much going on with these cards. Um, I love it. I, I've wanted to put these in so many decks, um, but the closest I've ever actually put it in was a Conspiracy Draft deck. So.
4: <laughs> cool. That's that's some spicy stuff. I, I will say, speaking for myself, one of my favorite challenges wasn't on episode one. It was actually on episode two. Oh. Um, and that's the card Ghost Town, which... I just I really like this land it is a land that on an opponent's turn you can just return it right back to your hand and this is one that I still think is not being uh played enough in landfall decks I think it's still only currently seeing play in about four thousand decks and it's just really good to help you get extra lands into your hand so that you can get more land drops to trigger your landfall effects for really awesome landfall commanders so yeah folks check out ghost town that was my second challenge to stats I think on episode two like and it's still not seen enough play. That's a great card. Go go check it out. It's really, really good. Dana, let's
0: throw it to you now. This was really actually difficult for me because after 200 episodes, I feel like it was like a, a first place tie for all 200 picks of mine. Um, <laughs> Dana, <laughs> come on, man. I mean, like, 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 how do you choose which one of your children is your favorite? Like, they're all amazing. See, I thought I was being a
4: little self-indulgent. Like, I'm really proud of my ghost town pick, and Dana's over here. Just like all 200 of mine
5: are the most <laughs> well, I have to, reached apotheosis. To, like, <laughs> to, to be fair, Dana's had like 20-ish that were given to him by listeners, so he doesn't get credit for all of his <laughs> sure, own challenges. Sure,
0: that's fair. Those are probably the best 20. Oh, um, yeah. Well, Good so cover. Episode 29, um, one with the machine from Matt, where you draw cards equal to the highest CMC among artifacts you control. I have no idea how I missed that card when it came out, but I, I just had never seen it before. Um, and it's an absolute bomb in a deck where I run it. Matt suggested I immediately put it in a, in a deck and drew it that week, I think. And I've played it, you know, I've drawn it and, and cast it, I don't know, 20 times since then. Every time it generates a ton of value. And I had never even heard of it before I was suggested. So that's absolutely one of my favorites that that's came up from um the, the show and the other one um was defile in episode 92 uh which is a one mana instant and a creature gets minus one minus one for each swamp you control Ooh, yeah. i mean it, it was in modern horizons which had a gazillion amazing cards and that one was very easy to overlook i legitimately feel like if you are playing a mono black deck it probably should be in your deck it's it's the closest you're going to get to a kind of Swords to Plowshares in, in black. It's going to kill almost anything for one man at instant speed. The card's fantastic. And I just, again, when that set was spoiled, I just didn't pay attention to it.
5: I mean, Dana, I, I get it. Like, I am very smart. Uh, I'm glad that you're <laughs> finally recognizing my my card-finding abilities. So, thank you for the, uh, the flattery. I, I really needed it today.
0: It, well, what you're saying is I'm kind of your Sheldon Manry.
5: Oh okay yes yes <laughs> okay. sure, <laughs> the
4: self-aggrandizement knows yes. no end. <laughs> but but no, I, I love the 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 brand, the style of challenge that you're suggesting there because it is a common card, and therefore one that is easy to overlook amidst all of the uncommons, the rares, the mythics that will dominate our attention, especially during preview seasons. And when things come out and all of the energy goes to building some of these new commanders or trying out some of these new splashy rares, but like, we totally see, there's definitely been an undercurrent in our challenge to stats picks over the years of these overlooked commons. Heck, Matt, recently you just challenged uh, a reckless impulse, I think, that two mana red spell that is kind of like a, a two mana draw two it's a really good impulse draw effect and it's a common that amidst all of the chaos of there being two sets in a straw a whole bunch of new zombies and things like it kind of got buried in the shuffle a little bit but it doesn't deserve to be so i love that pick dana that you've mentioned there because it is a style that we see a lot of challenge um just a style of challenge that we we see often where it is a common that manages to get overlooked one of my favorite styles of challenges are the uh The rules non-bows reasons. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, when we had that episode with Gavin Verhey on, uh, we talked a lot about his uh, coin flip deck. And there is a challenge that I remember we had for the card Mana Clash in Zindersplit and OCown decks. Because Zindersplit and OCown are the commanders that care about... Flipping a bunch of coins and they give you a bunch of benefits from it. And it's really, really awesome to see what they can do. But the wording is so weird there. They care about winning coin flips. And the card mana clash is a one-mana red spell that has you and target opponent each flip a coin and it does damage to whoever's coin comes up, uh comes comes up tails, but you end the process when both coins come up heads. But nowhere in the language of that card does it say winning a coin flip or losing a coin flip. So even though it is a card that has stuff to do with coin flips, it doesn't actually do anything for Split and Okown. And that's a very tricky thing. But, like, 38% of Okown and Split players are still playing Mana Clash in their decks, even though it doesn't actually do anything with those commanders' effects it's like a coin flip card that isn't actually a coin flip card that they care about. And so those are some of my favorite types of challenges where there's a tricky rules reason that something may or may not quite work out and it requires like a lot of attention to detail on it. But I really love those types of challenges. They're really, really cool.
5: I mean, one of my favorite types of challenges, I guess, that should be its own category, is cards that are so (laughs) good that we challenge them twice. Um, And you guys actually (laughs) did it. Both of you have challenged Veilstone Amulet only 10 episodes apart even on uh, episode 110 and one twenty, you both decided Veilstone Amulet was so good that two weeks apart, or I guess ten weeks apart, a few months apart. Math is hard. Um, <laughs> math is hard. Math is very hard. Uh, but Veil Amulet should be challenged twice. Um, which I'm not saying you guys are wrong though. Uh, so Veilstone Amulet, three mana for an artifact, says whenever you play a spell, creatures you control can't be targets of spells or abilities your opponents control. So basically they get hexproof. Uh, This is a very, very potent card. You guys are absolutely right. It's just such... A good card. Uh, you both challenged it in just Spellslinger decks in general. And then Adelie's Ascender Wind decks, which Adelie's decks, they love casting all sorts of spells all in one big mm-hmm. turn because Adelie's is going to get very, very powerful very, very quickly. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that you have a, a built in defensive tool that you can respond to. You don't need a counterspell. You don't need something that's going to make Adelie's hexproof right away because you can just cast a brainstorm or whatever else you want to <laughs> do and you're going to get that ability. Uh, it's a great card and I just, I thought it was just so, so funny that when I looked back and I saw you both challenged it only 10 episodes apart, uh, I just had to rub it in a little bit. That's, that's such a good card. I have that in my
4: feather deck because it helps protect feather. Matt, this is important data for me now. Who challenged it
5: first? Uh, actually, so here we go. Um, somebody else is somebody else's Sheldon in this situation. So Joey's the hipster in this situation, Ah. Dana, I'm, I'm so sorry, bud. I,
0: I, I like challenge you first. You David did. Joey me? knew what a good card I was going to pick that he tried. He undercut me by 10 <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. That's, that, that's what we're going with. I mean, it makes sense if you really th- don't yeah. think about it yeah. <laughs> at all. <laughs> that's
4: – that is terrific. I oh. – I, I I didn't know it all this time. I've been out hipstering
5: Dana. Dana's been copying my homework. You out the heck? Th- no, there's no out hipstering. You out hipstered. It was a one time thing. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like Veilstone amulet. It was not repeatable. <laughs>
4: that's clever i love that and appropriate call out i i, I accept that's that's amazing um ooh, i also want to shout out another card that i still don't think is seeing enough play here and this is one that uh was challenged back in episode 31 we challenged mercadia's downfall and i still don't think that this card is seeing enough play it's showing up it's showing up in less than a thousand decks right now it's only showing up in 758 mercadia's downfall is two and a red for an instant that says attacking creatures get plus x plus o until end of turn where x is the number number of non-basic lands defending player controls, or if you are playing against one Dana Roach, X is the number of lands that the defending player controls because <laughs> that boy runs very, very few basics. Like, I've used this. I've had this used against me. This is a huge unexpected buff that if you've – the game's been going on a little bit. Like, this scales up so well to however long, uh, however long the game has been going because you'll just attack with a couple of little 1-1 goblins or something. And then for three mana, you'll give them, like, a plus seven because the, the your opponent has a bunch of non-basic – cool color fixing, expensive lands and stuff. You can punish them for that in a really delightful and unexpected way. Less than a thousand decks, that's that's absolutely silly pants. This card's great. Folks, y'all should totally still play this one. This is this is a challenge that easily stands out to me from all of our past episodes.
5: And I'm gonna steal a page from Dana's book actually here. And I'm going to point out, uh, it doesn't have to be your attacking creatures. You've heard that before. Oh, what? what? Um, so yeah, if Joey's attacking Dana, um, Joey, I can cast the spell and just wreak some havoc it's it's absolutely like if you want to win a game for a dollar this is how you do that
0: <laughs> uh, you, you know like, m- much like tainted strike that happened on a recent episode <laughs> um on wednesday night on yes, tv such edh recast you can cast this on someone else's creatures attacking joey <laughs>
4: <laughs> sign me up yes Yes, you can. You, you can, in fact, have combat tricks that cause your opponents to die, even when you're not involved in that combat, <laughs> like a Tainted Strike to give someone else's creature Infect and take it from nine damage to ten. And I'm not salty about it at
0: all, Dana. That was a great learning experience for me. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I just try to help. I'm a helper, basically, at heart, <laughs> and it felt good to be able to, you know, make you a better player.
4: That's, thank you. And actually, hey, you know what? You have made me a better player because you've also taught me the value of errata. And this is definitely (laughs) one of the standout challenges of all time for me. This has got to be its own style of challenge as well. Dana, at one point, what episode was it? Uh... I I will not be able to to recall the episode number on this. Never mind. It's too obscure. At one point, you challenged the card Simulacrum. And I need to pause to clarify that we're not talking about the card Solemn Simulacrum. We are not talking about Sad Robot. We are talking about a black instant named Simulacrum. It is a two-mana black instant. And the text on the card, doesn't do what the card says, and this is why this challenge is so legendary to me. The text on the card says, all damage done to you so far this turn is instead retroactively applied to a target (laughs) creature you control. Further damage this turn is treated normally. Uh, The... Oracle text of this card is that you gain life equal to the damage that has been dealt to you this turn, and then Simulacrum deals damage to a creature you control equal to the damage dealt to you this turn. So you retroactively take a bunch of damage that you were dealt and throw it onto one of your creatures. And Dana, you have used this in one of your life gain decks, because technically with the errata, it counts as a life gain effect instead of a reversal of damage effect or something. So this is just a fun lesson to me that totally legendarily stands out to me amongst our challenges as well, because... You remind me that oracle text matters a lot, and sometimes cards don't actually say
0: what they say. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's one of those cards where, like, if you're playing it, have your phone handy but for real, because uh, <laughs> it's never been printed with a version that actually does what it uh, actually says, what it actually does. <laughs> it's so true,
4: though, and and it's so savage too, because it, like seeing you pair this up with like with sanguine bond effects, because this counts as life gain, and mm-hmm. so then you can actually cause that life gain the retroactive damage or whatever to like suddenly be used as life gain that you'll double up for example with an its archive or that you'll deal more damage to people
5: with the sanguine bond effect like come on that's so cool I mean Dana's very good at finding cards that have had the oracle text change with like simulacrum the infamous obliute challenge <laughs> um folks it's obliat don't listen to him uh but all these cards that Dana's found that like the the oracle text has somehow changed from the original meaning and it makes the card just so much better. It, yeah, mm. there's a lot of really good picks there. It's so great.
4: It's so great. Ah, uh, Okay, so we've gone over some of our favorites, um, some of our personal favorites from stuff that we have challenged or that each other have challenged. But what about some favorite listener challenges? Let's give some love to the listeners who have uh, submitted Challenge the Stats picks. Uh, Dana, what's a, a listener stand out to you?
0: My favorite was uh, sent to us by listener Henry Stockenburg. Um The card is Bubbling Muck. And it's basically black's sorcery speed version of high tide until the end of turn. Whenever a player taps a swamp for mana, that player adds an additional black mana. So it basically gives you kind of one giant turn to do a really disgusting thing. Um, yes, it's sorcery speed, but very infrequently do you wind up casting high tide in someone else's turn anyway? Um, bubbling muck just wins games in, in mono black decks, especially and it definitely should see more play. It was it was a card that I think was a really good challenge by Henry, and I ran it in a couple of different decks, and uh, I think that's one that has stood the test of time. That was a good pick, and I think it still should wind up in more lists. That's an awesome pick. I love it.
5: Yeah, th- sometimes you can find all these random cards that are like all stars in the popper format, and you just get some real gems. And this is one of those. Like this is a four dollar card because popper is just a really good fun format.
4: yeah oh man that's super neat i'll quickly give a shout out one of like this is a challenge that rocked me to my core and in fact uh, our, our listener friend of the show um, Aaron Radney who is a really good artist by the way you should check out his stuff he's really cool um, but he submitted a challenge for Mitotic Slime in Marin of Clan Neltoth decks and this one really just like came up and like punched me in the face with how obvious it it, it was that I was like I can't believe I hadn't considered this Mitotic Slime is a 5 mana 4-4 four four in green but when it dies it creates 2-2-2 two 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 slimes and when those die they create 1-1 one one slimes so you get like 7 bodies on this creature for five mana. And that's so huge when you're playing a Maran deck and you've got your Blood Artist effects that are just dealing a bunch of damage and you've got just seven bodies off of this 1 5 mana creature that you can sacrifice a whole bunch like th- this one really stands out to me because I've been playing Marin for years. I know that deck inside and out and when someone comes along with a challenge I'm just like, "Okay, but like I have a lot of experience with this deck. I- I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing." And he was just like, "Hey, this is a good challenge. Try out my totic slime. You'll get a whole bunch of aristocrat triggers." It's really great. And I was just like, "Holy, how ha- where have you been all my life?" So I love this one because I just it, all the puzzle pieces were there in front of me, but he's the one who actually helped me put them together. And I'm I'm just like, oh, it's so great. And now it's one of my favorite cards to draw in that deck. So that's one of my favorites. Thank you so
5: much, Aaron. So, so Joey, I, I know you may not believe me when I say this, but there are other necromancers out in the world. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can believe what people say about your decks.
4: I've, I've I've heard this but when I find out that there are other necromancers my instinct is to turn them into zombies to do my bidding
5: uh, so I'm just gonna move along then from that comic uh, <laughs> that's just rude um, so I, I have a couple actually uh, listener challenges that I, I've really enjoyed uh, one of them though uh, tell Tors edict is an absolute non-bow with zotahedron Grinder. Um, and we actually had a challenge, or that challenge was submitted to us uh, by Corey Roberson uh, a while back. Uh, but Telemtors Edict basically just takes out your entire own battlefield. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not a card you want to be casting at all in a zotahedron Grinder deck because you have to target all of your creatures with it because of Zada's ability. So Telemtors Edict just says, exile target permanent you control from the game. That's all it is. Just exile it, and then you draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. Well, Zada, there's there's no may on the ability, so you have to copy that, and you have to wipe out your entire board due to that, and it's just, it's such a non-bow, you don't want to be doing it, and I remember for a while there, Zodahedron Grinder decks, like, this was getting played at a pretty significant clip, um, so Corey pointed this out, and thankfully, I know people didn't listen to me about Entrapment Maneuver, <laughs> but they did listen to Corey about Telemtors' edicts, because it's only being played in 1.6% of Zodahedron Grinder decks at this point, and I'd be willing to bet at this, like, at this stage in the game, those are just decks that haven't been updated since the challenge.
4: That's, that's a, uh, a- <laughs> yeah we just have so many other cantrips that that commander could use instead to draw cards and more Mm -hmm. quickly you don't have to wait a turn um but matt actually that reminds me this is not the only uh uh, listener challenge related to zada i have another favorite here because it falls into that category of non I like so much that's also for zada um and this was from our listener jonas widman um on episode 112 uh jonas contacted us uh to talk about soul's fire in zada which looks like it should work with zada's ability but it does not because zada again when you cast a spell targeting uh one of your things it, it spreads to all of your creatures but it has to have the spell that you cast has to have exactly one target in order to spread to all of your things it can't have multiple targets or else zada's effect does not take place because it's just a non-bow with the effect and souls fire is that spell for three mana target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to any target so there are two targets on this one and so it doesn't actually work it, it looks like it would be really appealing to use with Zada and then all of your tokens deal damage to stuff but it, it literally doesn't work it is a non-bow with zada's ability and this one still shows up in 26 percent of zada decks and that definitely needs to change so we've got multiple zada challenges here that uh, really stand out to us and i think that's really awesome go listeners
5: yeah i mean okay so there's another one that i really want to point out because it's this card is so good and this is one that it goes into it falls into the category i guess you should say of reading every single line of a commander's card text um So this one is for Dubious Challenge in Trostani Discordant decks. Um, (laughs) So this was originally submitted to us by a listener on Twitter, Lex B. Um, But yeah, Dubious Challenge is just, it's a sorcery, three and a green, that says, look at the top 10 cards of your library, and you exile up to two creature cards from among them, then shuffle your library. Then target opponent may choose one of the exiled cards and put it onto the battlefield under their control, and then you put the rest onto the battlefield under your control. Well, the reason that Tristani Discordant really would love this card is because the last line of text that people often forget. Um, so the Tristani Discordant says at the beginning of your next end step, each player gains control of all creatures they own. Well, if you use Dubious Challenge and you gave a creature to an opponent, um, you're just gonna get it right back. You get two creatures from the top ten cards in your library, which is <laughs> that's a pretty deep reach. Uh, ten cards deep is is pretty great for four mana. You cheat. Two creatures into play and you get them both uh that's wonderful i love this challenge uh of course it's a selenia challenge it's episode 200 i have to embrace who i am and that's that's playing green and white cards so uh lexby thank you so much for this challenge you you saw the light and i i appreciate you bringing it out there
4: that's so cool. We've got smart listeners. I, I love this. We they, do. We do. You're totally right. That is a, a clever one. That is really awesome. We, uh, we
5: would not be here if it weren't for our listeners after all these 200
4: episodes. Indeed. Remember, listeners, you did this. It's your fault. <laughs> you did this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fellas. Man, this has been awesome. But now I, I think it is time that we move to our final segment. And that is... This week's challenge. We still have some challenge the stats to do for this week for our 200th episode. What is our 200th challenge? Uh, what, what are each of us going to put forward? Let's, let's sign it off with a good old fashioned, a traditional challenge the stats
0: for this week. Dana, let's start it off with you. What is your 200 challenge, my dude? My pick is for Mask of Grizzly Brand. It's in just over 3,000 decks. Um, Mask is a three mana artifact. It's an equipment and you can equip it for three mana. Equip creature has flying and a life link. And when a crip creature dies, you can pay X life, Rex is its power, and if you do draw X cards. So it's kind of a, a, a build your own grizzle brand. Like if you went to the Mall <laughs> of America and went to Build-A-Bear, but you know, with demons. <laughs> <laughs> that's an image? Yeah. That's, um, that's a terrifying Build-A-Bear. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think I've ever seen this card hit the field in a game where it didn't win the game. Or at the very least, it didn't force everyone to deal with it before it could win the game. (laughs) It's just going to draw a ridiculous amount of cards in decks where you want to run it. If you're playing some kind of a small swarm deck, it does you no good. But there's plenty of decks where it's just going to do something disgusting if you don't deal with it. It's still a very cheap card. It can be had for under a dollar and it's game changing. It should see more play. And I expect people eventually to come around to it because uh, it's an absolute bomb.
4: Yeah, you throw this down on like a ten ten. Suddenly your ten ten has evasion and it produces life point gains for you. And if someone kills the creature anyway, you'll just draw a bunch of cards. Oh, yeah, this is another one that you've wrecked me with. It's beautiful. I can't even mad about it. It's a good card.
0: Cultures <laughs> Reap and Costly Plunder are great cards. And they're even better when you draw an additional 14
4: <laughs> off the uh, thing you sacrificed. So That's true. Can confirm. Matt,
5: what about your challenge this week? So this week, I I have a commander. I, I really have wanted to build it. And then with all these new sagas coming out in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty... I'm really, really tempted. I'm super excited about the, the, the possibility of, of what's going on here. So the commander is Gen Arcanum Weaver. Uh, it's the Mardu, uh, one red, one white, and one black for the two three uh, human wizard. You can pay a red, a white, and a black, and tap it and sacrifice an enchantment, and you return target enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So if you're playing sagas that, you know, they fully resolve, they go to the graveyard, you just sacrifice one saga that's about to expire. You get another one out there. You just repeat a whole cycle of value. Sagas are like, they're one of my favorite card types that's come out over the past few years. Absolutely love them. One card that I think you probably want to be cutting to make room for some of these sagas though is Curse of Hospitality. So currently it's getting played in almost 30% of Gen decks and I don't think that's right. I think that's way too overplayed because it just it gives your opponents advantages too. Uh, so Curse of Hospitality, two in a red for aura a curse, so you get to curse another player. Uh, creatures attacking Enchanted Player have Trample and then whenever a creature deals combat damage to Enchanted Player, that player exiles the top card of their library and then until end of turn that player's controller may play that Card uh, and spend mana as though, or mana of any color to cast that spell. So we've talked a lot on this podcast about you know card advantage. You don't want to give out just as much as you take in because due to the nature of a multiplayer format, you need to get three times the card advantage that other players are getting. Um, so basically, you're giving out, and it turns into two cards that you're giving out um, because you're incentivizing other people to attack one person. So they don't get the they don't get the advantage. But for every card that you're gonna draw, you could be giving out two. And I just don't think that ratio is right. Mm. Uh, If you're trying to use this as just kind of fodder for Gan and Weaver, I get it. You play it, you sacrifice at the turn, you play it. Um, There are just way cheaper ways to put a a cheap enchantment onto the battlefield and then sack it to get something expensive out of the graveyard. I just don't think Curse of Hospitality is all that great. There are other curses you can be playing uh, that don't give your opponents advantages or at least near the advantage of this because you're essentially letting them draw a card. Um, so, yeah, find some other space for this type of card. Uh, 30%, that's just too high. And I'm very excited to build again, but it won't include Curse of Hospitality.
4: <laughs> I love it. I, are, are you, like, spill the tea? Are, are you going to move your Saga Tribal deck from being Alila to being Gan Arcanum Weaver? Is this a development we're seeing? Is Matt building a new deck?
5: Uh, maybe. I, I, I'm not going to totally scrap my Alila uh, artful provocateur deck because Kiora best the sea god is one of my favorite enchantments to resolve ever um fair so I, that's fair i don't know if i'll do a complete scrap but um again like it's been on the border of what i like to do mm-hmm. i just haven't really pulled the trigger yet uh there's some some saucy new sagas that i'm just absolutely excited to see uh get played and yeah so again again maybe in the works
4: That's very true. And hey, you know what? If you have two decks that care a lot about sagas, uh, I feel like you and I will have some kinship about that because I also have two decks that care about necromancy. That's a lie. I have like 20. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, add add a couple (laughs) zeros to that number, Joseph. Be true to yourself. Very, very much. Okay, I'm going to move on to my challenge here. And this one... I might be biting off more than I can chew here, but this is a doozy of a challenge. One of the most submitted challenges uh, from our listeners ever has been for Obeka Brute Chronologist uh, because it's a complicated commander and it's one that we discussed in a recent episode about the most complex commanders. And Obeka Brute Chronologist is a Grixis time wizard that can make you uh, prematurely end your own turn, which is really, really cool. But there is a misunderstanding that is... Kind of sometimes happening about how Obeka's ability works, and there are some non bows on her page. For example, a big one here is that. Obeka doesn't work with Act of Treason effects. Act of Treason would gain control of an enemy creature until end of turn, but using Obeka's ability doesn't let you keep that creature, because Act of Treason until end of turn, when Obeka ends the turn, you'd give the creature back. And still, sometimes these effects like Act of Treason show up in about 7% of Obeka decks, um, which is you know low, but it should be zero because it doesn't actually work. But the real challenge, one that we've gotten a whole lot from listeners, including two that I'll shout out here, Tristan, Dementia Master from our Discord, and Crystal who smiles at death they have submitted challenges for a very specific card that they want to challenge uh for obek and that's for delina wild mage delina wild mage is a wild type of card indeed a four mana three to elf shaman whenever it attacks you choose a creature you control and roll a d20 and depending on the results of the d20 you might get multiple versions of this token but you will create additional tokens of the creature that you chose and the creature has exile this creature at the end of combat And the idea looks really good at first, right? Like that is an at-the-end-of-combat trigger that Obeka could respond to. So you'd be able to end the turn with that trigger on the stack and you'd get to keep the token, which is true, except that the token still has that Exile this creature at end of combat, not at end of your combat. That will happen every single combat. And so this Delina challenge in relation to Obeka, and in fact, in relation to effects like Sundial of the Infinite and other effects that our listeners pointed out, such as, you know, Gearid, for example, Gearid populating that token, the token will also still have that exile this creature at end of combat trigger. Delina is a cool card, but a lot of the tricks that it shows, that the, the data shows people are trying to make happen with Delina aren't really working you have to be very careful about the ways that those tokens will still try to exile themselves on every combat so this is a big ur-challenge, er basically, for be very, very careful about some of these triggered abilities and some of these end-turn prematurely effects and stuff. Delina is a really cool card, but it may not work in some of these decks the way that folks are hoping that it does. So I just want to throw that challenge out there because it's been a hugely requested one, and it's a really fun one to look into, and it also fits right into that that style of challenge that I really like about being very careful with your wording. So. Kudos, listeners. What a fun challenge. Thank you so much.
5: Yeah, all all of these hyper-technical challenges are just – I'm very glad that we have the listener base that we do because I would never pick up on any of these challenges because (laughs) if it doesn't go smash, I just probably haven't read the card. So (laughs) thank you to all of our listeners who read the cards with more than 20 words on there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Having someone else do your homework for you uh, I, I, saves so much time. Sometimes. I can
5: admit when I am that guy, and when it comes to some magic decks, I am that guy. I still get an A on the project though because I had smart people with me.
4: <laughs> that's that's great. That's okay. So okay, so that is officially our 200th episode. Those are all of our challenges, but I have I, I can't help myself. I have one bonus question that I have to ask you guys specifically for Matt, but Dana, Dana, I'm sure you've got an opinion here too, Matt. Of the past 200 episodes, not just what has been your favorite challenge, what has been your favorite dad joke on oh. this wretched
5: podcast oh. of ours? If you, if you want to talk about choosing which of my children is my favorite, this is <laughs> this is what you're doing to me. Um, I, okay, so I, I think I have a favorite one because I actually got to use this in real life. Uh, so okay. somebody once told me that I – or not somebody once told me. Somebody recently told me uh, that I need to walk a mile in Joey's shoes to understand what he was talking about. And I had a dad joke that I just, uh, there's there's an awesome gaming channel called Outside Extra um, and their sister channel, Outside Xbox. So if you like gaming, go check those channels out because uh, one of the main editors, Mike, he also loves dad jokes. So you may hear some double, double cross there, <laughs> um, but he once said a joke about, uh, they say to understand somebody is to walk a mile in their shoes. But then you're a mile away and you have their shoes, which makes it the perfect crime. Uh, that is my favorite dad joke because I told this person, said, I need to walk a mile in Joey's shoes. I said, well, in that case, I'll be a mile away with Joey's shoes and he can't do anything about it. So, yeah, I, that's just one of my favorites. Uh, that that would probably be my pick off the top of my head. I appreciate it. Um, give me my shoes back. They were expensive. Dana, how about uh, I'm, you? I'm too far away. Nope, too late. <laughs>
4: um, what Do you have a favorite dad joke or will you save me? Uh, from this.
0: <laughs> what do you got? Uh, a dad joke that's always stuck with me over the years. Um, way back, like 40 or 50 years ago, there was a show called Cheers that, that used to be on television. Um,
4: <laughs> I know what Cheers is. In, in, I'm in, not in my that young. Youth,
0: Come on, man. Um, there was just like a, a random dad joke One once upon a time when one of the characters, Norm walks, is he ready to leave the bar and just says, all right, I'm going to take off. I told my wife I'd pick up Chinese food tonight. And one of the other characters is like oh that's that's nice he's like yeah i spilled it last week so i figured it's about time <laughs> and for whatever reason just the offhanded way he delivered that yeah i spilled it last week that has always stuck with me since i was a, a child so that's perhaps my favorite one
4: you guys are precious and <laughs> and weird
5: you're, you're <laughs> the I precious you want to use w-
0: a different word there Joey but you went with precious
5: yeah <laughs> Joey's the precious one like you're the one that like <laughs> fresh out of high school Oh come on! I, that, oh. I actually don't know how old you are. It's just very young. I'm
4: old enough I, to know better. <laughs> there it is. There
5: it is. <laughs>
4: oh man, this has been such a celebration. Thank you once again to the folks uh, from the community who uh, submitted guest challenge the stats clips. That was so awesome. Thank you to the folks we've had on the show. Listeners, thank you for sticking with us for 200 magical episode and here's to 200 more. We super appreciate it. Uh, And again, this is your fault. You did this. Yes. Um, with this, I think we're going to call this 200th episode to a close. So, fellas, if our listeners would like to get in touch
5: with us, where is it that they can find you? Matt? So you can find me on the Twitters, at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And Wednesday evenings, twitch.tv slash Retcast. We are streaming games. And we have guests on. The, I, one of the, the best things about all these 200 episodes, just the, the people in the community we've gotten to meet through it, all the listeners. Um, so just thank you so much. And, and and our streams on Wednesday evenings is just kind of a glimpse into all the all just amazing people we get to meet through this podcast. So tune in and then thank you again, like Joey said, just for all the support over these episodes. Indeed,
4: indeed. And Dana, where can folks find you?
0: You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach. I am on another podcast once a week, CMDR Central. I read articles for EDH Rec and for Commanders Herald. And you can find all of us together at patreon.com.
4: And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter and you can find the cast at EDH RecCast on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you have a question for us, you can contact us at EDH at gmail.com. Our thanks go out once again to Josh Lequay and the whole team at the Command Zone for handling the post-production work on the podcast. And we want to thank our sponsors, TCG Player and CardKingdom.com. And you can visit altersleeves.com EDHReccast EDH RecCast for cool custom EDH Rec sleeves. And listeners, again, we just we want to thank you to thank Thanks to 200 amazing episode. We'll be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember EDH, wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.